Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. A $600 pension 10, 15 years ago won't buy much of anything here today. Things and why the millennial generation is starting to give up because they can't afford to get a, a, a good job or own a house. A million Venezuelans voting uh, for this assembly saying it's actually less than three. It is. And people are going to start rioting in the streets. Was reported to have asked Putin for military support that would help him stay in power. We will make America safe again. And yes, together, we will make America great again. And they ignore him. Eight more years goes by till Bernie himself finally admits to his sons, hey, I've been running a Ponzi scheme. Does its dominance mean it can use the alliance for its own ends? Since 1981, bond yields, also known as coupon rates, have just gone down and down and down. The Federal Reserve note will be your biggest financial liability. All right, welcome to RTD Live Talk today. Uh, starting off on a different link due to some new technical issues, it looks like on YouTube side, making it very complicated to stream. But we're here, we're live, and looking forward to having some good back and forth. And as always, you guys know we have a special guest, as I was mentioning to Jeff prior to going uh, live, is that uh, how I came about my awakening period happened to do with the Dollar Vigilante. So happy to have Jeff join us. But before I bring him on the screen, uh, let me acknowledge a couple people's presence. Make sure we have uh, everybody tuned in. Make sure you guys come with some good questions uh, for our guest. We got Spirit King. We got Johnny Deep, K-Love Crypto, the New York Redneck, Blunt News, Johnny, Jeff. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. And so uh, let me just go right ahead to the screen. And so welcome, Mr. Jeff Berg from the Dollar Vigilante to Rethinking the Dollar. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you taking time to join us. Let me make sure uh, audio-wise uh, that they, you, they can hear you, and so we should be good to go. But Jeff, uh, thank you for joining us. And so I wanted to start off by basically, uh, for those that may not know Jeff Berg, every though, even though most people should, can you give us a quick synopsis of how you arrived at the Dollar Vigilante and everything else you do, and give us a little rundown if you don't mind. Oh, man, it's been a long journey uh, my entire life, basically. Uh, but uh, I kind of started off as an entrepreneur and uh, I, I started an internet tech company in the 1990s. I was a financial related tech company. So it's still the largest financial website in Canada called stockhouse.com. And I ended up selling it around 2003 after the tech bubble uh, crash, uh, which brought the company from a valuation of about $240 million to almost zero. And I asked a lot of people what happened. And they said, that just happens sometimes. And uh, then my partner, who had tried to kill himself during the crash, uh, handed me a, came over on crutches after he jumped out of a seven story window. And he handed me a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island by G. Edward Griffin. And I read through that. And I said, oh, this explains a lot. I, I, why didn't anyone tell me how this is how the central banking system worked? And I kind of uh, went on to uh, try to travel the world. I bought a sailboat and I sailed for exactly one year. And then I, I sank it in El Salvador. And then I just continued on by backpack uh, to about uh, almost 100 different countries. And I just wanted to kind of see the world because I was starting to realize that what we're told on the television programming or in the schools isn't exactly what's really going on. So I wanted to see the world. And as I was doing that, I was reading up on Austrian economics and uh, libertarianism and anarcho-capitalism and starting to realize that a lot of uh, 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 knowledge out there that uh, most people didn't know about was actually the real good knowledge, uh, the stuff that we should know about. And I decided to start with my partner, Ed Bugos, uh, the dollar vigilante in 2010, after the 2008 crisis, because we predicted that was going to happen. And when that happened, I thought, okay, we kind of understand how this all works now. So let's uh, sort of get out there and, and tell people how, how this all works, how central banking is a scam, how government is a criminal organization, uh, how nefarious it all it is, how it destroys so many things in this world, and uh, and get that out there. Right. Well, so I appreciate you sharing that. And I wasn't aware of the fact you said you sunk your boat. Was I'm assuming it wasn't on purpose, was it? 
<laughs> no, it definitely wasn't on purpose. Okay. Uh, you can ask uh, my girlfriend who was with me at the time. She was, definitely wasn't on purpose, uh, okay. but we got caught in a storm. And uh, it's kind of a funny story that uh, a number of sailors came out and saved us. Uh, but the next day in El Salvador, the El Salvadorian Navy came and they wanted to take pictures with me. And I speak Spanish now, but I didn't speak Spanish back then. I didn't know what they were saying. And then the next day, the headline in the newspaper was the El Salvador Navy saves Canadian adventurer. And uh, they didn't come and save us at all. In fact, we did uh, call them on the radio and on the phone. And they told us they had no boats, so they couldn't come and save us. So uh, we actually got saved by, as usual, the market. Yeah. So the Navy couldn't save you because they didn't have any available boats. That's something else. Oh, man. Okay, well, I uh, appreciate you for sharing a little bit of that information for those that may not know you. So let's dive right into it. Um, so, uh, as always, if anyone has any thoughts, feel free to highlight everything in a dollar. They'd love to get those questions to you, and I see some questions I'm going to get to. But your most recent video was you were, I guess, on travel, on vacation, and you were down in a region where there are some um, interesting islands. Can you elaborate on that and, and how that experience was? Because definitely the mainstream news don't tell us much about that here. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, it wasn't really a vacation. I, I don't think I've ever fully taken a vacation. I always do work and uh, work things play. at the same time. Yeah, yeah, work and play. It's always commingled. Uh, so we were going to about 10, 10, 10 different countries on my friend's plane, uh, and a number of them were countries I hadn't been before. And I'd like to eventually visit every country in the world. So we visited a number I hadn't visited before. And Luke Radowski of We Are Changed was with us. And uh, by the time we get up to the Northern Caribbean, uh, uh, we thought about going to the Virgin Islands. And Luke said, if we go to the Virgin Islands, we have to try to get on Jeffrey Epstein's Island. So uh, we, uh, after talking to a number of boat captains, none of them would take us there. Uh, we finally found one who said he would take us around the island. And then at the last minute, he let us uh, unexpectedly jump off and get onto the island. And so for about half an hour, we documented what we saw there before we got chased off by security. Yeah. Now, so Jeffrey Epstein, the whole scenario was in the mainstream media for a brief moment, a week or two at best, from what I can recall. And as always, it was very questionable how everything came to all of a sudden to an end. What are your thoughts on that? Was that a deliberate cover up or was, of course, there's more to the story, but how come they nipped that in the bud? And this, this, I want to get controversial off, 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 off from jump. I saw a lot of pictures of that particular gentleman and our current U.S. president together. Is there any um, any 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 co-mingling there? You think? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's lots of evidence of Jeffrey Epstein, who uh, we knew for a long time about his Lolita Express. This was well known in the independent media. You would never hear about it on the mainstream media, of course. Uh, he was flying. Bill Clinton flew to his uh, what they call Pedo Island. They had a lot of. Uh, young uh, kids and, and teen, young teens uh, that were, um, you know, there and they essentially raped them <laughs> and uh, really horrible. And Bill Clinton went uh, dozens of times. Prince Andrew was always there. Uh, Donald Trump uh, uh, was quoted as uh, saying in a New York magazine about 20 years ago, uh, to paraphrase, because I don't remember the exact quote, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's a great guy. Uh, we both have a, a, a love of young girls. <laughs> and so, so he was tied in with almost everybody. And, you know, I'm very conspiratorial minded. I'm always looking why, why would they let uh, this information out, that sort of a thing. And you know, I really don't know exactly what happened. Either they had to kind of show that they took someone down so that they could say that they're doing something about this stuff. And then, of course, you know, they had they said he was in jail. They said he was on suicide watch. All of a sudden he died. <laughs> he hung himself on suicide watch. All the cameras were turned off. The guards fell asleep. <laughs> the usual kind of stuff, just like Osama bin Laden. It's like, they, oh, they we got him. Where is he? Oh, we threw him in the ocean. Right. Uh, Right. And then they put up a, a completely photoshopped image of him. Uh, the image of Jeffrey Epstein dead actually looks like Anthony Bourdain. Uh, you know, the, the, I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it at all if he's still alive. Um, and But as far as why was he even in the mainstream media, mm -hmm. I think there's two ways to look at it. One is there was so many of us talking about it. Uh, I think if you get enough people talking about something, they have to at least acknowledge it. Uh, and so maybe they said, okay, and so many people are talking about this, we have to do something. And maybe what they said is, let's act like we arrested him, act like he killed himself, and then let's just wipe it off in the news. There can't be any court cases after that because he'll be dead, supposedly dead. Uh, secondly, the other sort of thing is, 
that the people at the the elites uh, they really like kind of showing what they do. So there could be an angle on that as well, where they they thought, you know, we're you know we kill babies, we drink their blood. This is what a lot of these people do mm-hmm. uh, at the these so called elites <clears throat> and. To some extent, I think they want people to know it, and they kind of put it out in movies all the time. And I think, to some extent, this Epstein thing might have been a bit of that as well. They kind of, I think, to them, they're like, "Let's tell everyone that we're actually satanic people who drink and kill babies, uh, and uh, have a child sex uh, trafficking ring, and and they won't be able to do anything about it. Let's laugh in their face about it, and then let's just like change the news cycle so that no one ever talks about it again." So I think there's there's some of a, a bit of both in that. Uh, I think they were under some pressure to actually have to acknowledge it and i think the, the way that they handled it was absolutely perfect and down to their their playbook of uh just okay we we handled it we arrested him oh he killed himself and there's no more car crisis next next news article mm-hmm. uh sort of a thing and I, I think that's what happened now along with that and bringing out epstein's or airing out his closet i guess there's a lot of documentation and record keeping and whatnot and so a lot of other names were dropped and so of course bill clinton you mentioned and one of the royalty members in the uk or something like that so several people were also brought out but the mainstream media never ran with that according to my knowledge and so my question would then be if all those pictures has appeared with our, the current president of the united states of america in those pictures as well What's the chance that there was some information that probably contained that particular person and then all of a sudden that's when they got squashed? Because I never heard our president tweet once about Epstein apart from, the I guess, the attorney general mentioning an investigation needed to be taking place. So what is the chance that it was stopped at the very top? But then who, who possibly could have leaked it? Well, yeah, it's definitely, this is all top-down sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's way more commingled than uh, most people think. Mm-hmm. I think Donald Trump and, and the Clintons have been good friends for decades, uh, absolute uh, good friends. In fact, I remember watching the debates with Donald Trump, and he's like, we're going to put Hillary in jail. And uh, I was like, no, he's not. And I remember I actually stayed up that night. Uh, I don't usually watch the uh, selections. They're not even elections. It's a big show. It's like mm-hmm. pro wrestling. It's just a show for the slaves and uh, I actually stayed up I was like okay I I actually thought Trump was going to win because I saw him he went to a Jesuit meeting with Henry Kissinger and all these people a few weeks before and when I saw that actually posted on the Dollar Vigilante that Trump was going to win because uh, he had just met with all the top Jesuits which is one of the top secret societies and so I stayed up and I watched and as soon as he got selected one of the first uh, questions from the controlled uh, mainstream media which is all CIA people was are you going to arrest Hillary and he said, uh, you know, to paraphrase again, I forget the exact thing he said, but it was along the lines of, no, uh, Hillary and Bill are good friends and good people. Uh, right after he had said he's going to put her in jail. So, you know, like this goes way beyond Hillary and Trump. who are all in the same club, uh, just like George Carlin said. It's a big club and we're not in it. And, uh, you know, I... I I think, like I said, I think they had to do something. I think there was so many people talking about things like Jeffrey Epstein and all these child trafficking rings that they had to actually do something or there would have been a problem. Enough people would have gotten too upset and done too many things. So I think, you know, from way beyond Trump and, and, and the Clintons, I think it's way higher than that. Uh, they, they probably set this all up and said, OK, Jeffrey, uh, you've been working with us for, you know, decades. Uh, you, we're going to have to act, act like you're in jail uh, and act like you kill yourself. And then we'll probably send you off to Israel to, to live the rest of your life or something along those lines. Right. Yeah. Now, so as a part of the whole narrative of make America great again. For some reason, uh, there's 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 two different types of people. There's people who actually think because he speaks different, he's apparently from a different background that he's actually operating in the best interest of the United States of America. And so, are there has there been any positives in your opinion uh, in regards to how, what Trump has done thus far? Anything that has been worthwhile outside of what the normal people have done prior to are who are more employee minded individuals. Uh, really not much. Uh, I mean, maybe a few little things. Uh, I think every president has to do a couple decent little things, you know, uh, just to kind of appease sort of the base. Uh, you know, he kind of dropped taxes a little tiny bit, uh, but it really didn't really because he actually went into more debt. Uh, so if you increase the actual debt, uh, it's the same as increasing taxes. 
so he really didn't do that. Uh, he talked about uh, withdrawing the troops. He really hasn't done that. He's actually gotten more involved in all kinds of military escapades around across the world. He sold the Saudis over $100 billion in weapons, which they're using to do a genocide in Yemen. Uh, he's He said he was going to reduce the deficit and pay off the debt. He's actually had the biggest deficits <laughs> in history. Uh, and uh, the debt just surpassed $23 trillion. It blew through $22 trillion in a few months. Um, you know, what else? Uh, like, I, I've heard some people say he's done some good things. I, th- I think they reduced regulations a little bit. I think there's something like a 100 million regulations in, mm-hmm. in the land of the free. And I think he reduced a couple of them. Uh, you know, like, really, the, the, if he just looked like Barack Obama, it would look like the exact same thing is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks exact same as George Bush. looks exact same as, as Bill Clinton. It's all just different faces and different ways of talking, uh, but still continuing on with the same thing. He's going into massive amounts of debt. Uh, the wars all continue. The military expenses uh, are continue to increase. Uh, he's actually increased the police state massively. Uh, he's actually said, and this is something interesting, he said that uh, he's in favor of uh, taking away guns and having due process uh, later. If someone like Barack Obama had said that, the people on the right would go insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because Donald Trump said it, it's totally fine. And that's how they control the people. Uh, so they say, uh, you know, that's the whole left-right thing. It's a total joke that there's like two parties uh, that uh, you can choose either the left or the right. And and that's all you get to choose. And uh, and, and they really make it so like about half the country's uh, in favor of the left, half the country's in favor of the right. And then every eight years, they just flip it so that the other side, because after seven years of the other side being in, uh, they're going crazy. So then they go, okay, let's flip it so that these guys are happy for eight years. Uh, and then these guys are really upset. But nothing ever really changes. There's been really no change uh, of anything except for the rhetoric, uh, which is crazy. And watching him tweet like a like an insane person on Twitter is <laughs> is interesting. But uh, but really nothing uh, really has changed. And I remember even with the Jeffrey Epstein story, uh, I a number of people, a lot of people say, "Oh, you you hate Trump. You must be some sort of undercover agent or something like that." It's like I'll give you a hint. I hate all presidents. I always have and I always will. I don't care who it is. The whole uh, system is a criminal enterprise. Uh, but I, a lot of people said when the Epstein, when Jeffrey Epstein got arrested, a lot of people said, look, Trump's cleaning up the whole, all these uh, evil people inside the state, all the child traffickers and all the pedophiles. And I said, I bet you nothing comes of it. And that's exactly what happened with what they did there. And and that's how they do it. So they kind of appease people. And, and so a lot of people could say, oh, Trump tried to take him down, but oh, he killed himself under suicide watch and now there can't be any trials on anybody and uh, it's just too bad you know but trump's a really good guy uh you know these people have been brainwashed their entire lives to believe that some sort of president is going to save them uh the the actual truth is the exact opposite the only one who can save you is you and if you put your power in other people you have nothing but slavery and a bad time right now what's what's your thought i'm assuming you also have followed uh as a part of the there's there's certain commentators out here that who say there's good guys and there's bad guys and there's good guys working behind the scenes to help bring out whatever whatever and then they mention about I haven't heard much of it lately but apparently there was fifty thousand indictments or sixty thousand indictments of the top people who were supposed to be brought to justice somehow some way and so I'm assuming you would put that in the same category of a lot of hot air just meant to get people excited about nothing. Or, or, or what? I, I, I remember seeing that, uh, you know, it's a lot of this Q-related stuff. And to me, Q is basically a CIA PSYOP, uh, essentially uh, getting me a lot of people who really want a lot of this pedophilia to be taken care of and that sort of thing, some hope, like, oh, we're on the inside, guys. You know, uh, we're going to do a certain hand sign, you know, or, a fl- or wear a certain color or a certain day to show you that we're taking down the, the bad guys. And I remember seeing that uh, post. I, I forget where it was, but it was something like 50,000 indictments have been filed. And I looked into it for about 20 minutes. And you can actually look up these sort of things. And, and there was no indictments filed. And so some people were like, uh, where are they? And they're like, well, they have to remain secret. It's like, well, it's like there's nothing happening uh, whatsoever. So, you know, a lot of people, like I said, they put their hope into the system 
uh, and and they hope that someone's going to save or fix the system. Uh, it can't fix the system. The system is a criminal, evil enterprise. We need to just walk away from it. Stop paying taxes. Stop voting. Stop sending your kids to government schools. All that kind of stuff. Uh, and if, if people did that and started using cryptocurrencies, which would take down the central banks, which would end all wars, that's what can fix the world. But a lot of people still, it's just sort of like this uh, idol worship sort of a thing. It's like this one man, uh, this one person. It's very much the same thing with Jesus to some extent. Mm -hmm. It's like this one guy, he's going to come back. He's going to save us. It's all uh, meant to keep it so that people never actually take action themselves. Mm -hmm. Because if the people actually woke up and everyone started taking action, this whole system would come down in a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's what they don't want anyone to know. And that's why they keep putting people into these places where a lot of people who were really mad about Barack Obama and they were like, I'm going to revolt against the government, all this kind of stuff. But as soon as Trump won, they're like, OK, everything's great now, but nothing's changed. Yeah. Now, so you gave a couple what I guess appear to be solutions on a surface you say stop paying taxes opt out of the system but yeah i'm sure a lot of people might say hey you know easier said than done because if you don't pay you then there's gonna be consequences and of course in, in mass then it'll be easier to get away with but individuals trying to exit out or opt out is not necessarily easy because as you mentioned most people are asleep and sleep don't really have the information on how to take control back of their own lives so um, you know, do you think that's something that really everybody can just also wake up and say, hey, I'm opting out. I'm not paying taxes. I'm, I'm moving. I'm going type of thing. Is that something that's doable for the average person? It's absolutely doable. You look at a lot of uh, sort of the right people and uh, they talk about how screwed up the country is all the time. And I'm like, well, opt out of the system. And they're like, but I might get in trouble. Well, who are a lot of their so-called heroes? It's people called the founding fathers, which is a total cult and a total uh, psyop in itself. Uh, but in any case, those people, uh, they broke off from the, the England, from the King of England. And they said uh, they wanted uh, they wanted taxation with representation and all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Those people were treated as total terrorists, total criminals. Uh, oftentimes they're hunted down and tortured and killed. Uh, and they were just trying to get away from the England government at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of the people who consider them heroes won't even even just not file a tax return because they might get in trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like if people want to get out of slavery, it's not going to be super easy, but it's not that hard either. Mm -hmm. Everyone watching this, just stop paying taxes, stop voting, uh, start doing everything you can to take down the system, whether it's, uh, you know, sending information to other people, uh, you know, don't treat politicians as, as uh, anything but criminals. Uh, don't listen to police officers unless you absolutely have to. And then many times you kind of have to, or they'll kill you. But uh, you know, if there's, if you're crossing the street and the cop goes, Hey, stop, just go get out of here. You're a criminal. I do that all the time. Uh, you know, just stop treating them like they, they have some right to rule you. And the fact that so many people are like, well, but I might get in trouble. I might have to go. They might come to my house and they might put me in a cage for a year. It's like, oh, boo hoo. Like, oh, you'd rather just be a slave your whole life? Like that. this is, uh, you know, people need to wake up. This, this is going to get much worse. And it appears that people always wait until they're basically starving. They're basically 100% enslaved. They're in FEMA camps, that sort of a thing, before they start to fight back. And I think, you know, if we want to have a lot better future and a lot better, easier time, it's it's time to start now while we're while we still have some ability to do some things rather than wait till it's too late. All right. So uh, great. Thanks for elaborating on that more. And as always, uh, for those that are watching in, if you have questions, at, at Rethinking a Dollar or give us a call. We did have a call. I missed it, looks like. But give us a call and we'll get you on. And so as a part of the opt-out model, and so definitely things are happening right now. The banking sector is starting to show signs of issues majorly with this repo action. And so because now what, what what's coming or what's underway now, it, I would assume you would agree it's going to be a, a globally systemic event. So there will be no one particular economy that won't be, that will be immune from what's going on. And so how, how bad do you think things will get here? Will it get, will, will we end up being more second world, third world status at the end of the day? But before you answer our question, we, we have a call. So let me, oh, we had a call. <laughs> so go ahead, if you don't mind, answer that question, if you don't mind. <laughs> well, you know, 
You're right that there's not going to be any place in the world that isn't going to be affected by the coming crisis. Uh, this probably will turn into a hyperinflationary worldwide event. And just look at places like Venezuela or Zimbabwe to see how bad it gets when you have hyperinflation. And that's where we're headed. And uh, the the worst place I think in the world that it's going to be is going to be in the U.S. because the U.S. has lived off of this fake money system now for so long and receive so many benefits from it that when the dollar uh, collapses and goes to zero, uh, your average person is just not prepared for what is going to happen. Uh, you even see like people in, when they turn off EBT cards every now and then, uh, there's like riots in the grocery store. Uh, that's just an EBT card being turned off for a few hours. Just wait till the dollar goes to zero and there's nothing in, in Walmart. Uh, watch what people do. Uh, so I think um, the worst place to be in, in the entire world during this crisis is in the U.S., uh, in fact, um, you know, I'm, I, I spent a lot of time down here in Mexico, and I'm kind of hoping that they finish building that wall because yeah. I don't want all those people to be streaming down <laughs> here uh, too much. And I think that's part of the reason, you know, it's to build up this stuff. Like there's now face scanning at JFK Airport, uh, all kinds of tracking and scanning. And uh, I think in next year you can't fly without a real ID card. Yeah. Uh, so they're really clamping down on people's ability to travel. They've already clamped down on people's ability to uh take their money outside of the U.S. Uh, it's almost impossible as an American to invest in anything outside of the U.S. anymore. So uh, I really think that the, the worst is going to be is in the U.S. And, and this isn't to say that, you know, it's going to be like Mad Max everywhere. But yeah. uh, I wouldn't want to be in New York or L.A. when this happens. I'd rather be out in I. I Idaho or Iowa, somewhere, uh, somewhere on a farm. Less people. <laughs> uh, yeah, less less people, more food, uh, and and that sort of a thing. But you know, it doesn't have to be uh, terrible. Uh, we've seen numerous countries go through hyperinflations. They get through it. Uh, Zimbabwe, you know, uh, Argentina has a hyperinflation every ten years, and it's for me like whenever I visit, it's it's amazing. It has amazing wine, amazing Perea, amazing food, uh, beautiful girls, uh, wide open spaces. Mm -hmm. uh, so it doesn't have to be well, the end of the right. world, so, uh, but for a lot of people will feel that way. All right, so Jeff, appreciate you. Oh, we got a caller here. So, hello, caller. What's your name? Where you calling from? And what's your thoughts My or question? My name is Hans von Rosenberg of the New York Redneck. How you doing, player? I'm doing. Good, my friend. We got the New York Redneck on. <laughs> What's your thoughts or question for oh. Jeff? Oh, nothing. I just want to say, you know, I know it's going to get bumpy over here in New York. I'm looking forward to that. But here's my question to Jeff. All right, this Chris Dwayne character, the Silver Shield guy, he preaches the same thing you do, except he's anti-crypto. And he always loves peace and love and saying no one's coming to save you except himself. When can I get you guys together to smoke a joint and hash this out? <laughs> all right, so I, I'll, I'll hang up on that one. Appreciate the call and the thought. I'll let, I'll let Jeff touch on that. Thanks, player. All right. <laughs> well, I, my wife loves uh, smoking weed, but I actually don't uh, smoke weed very much with other people. I actually mostly uh, do cannabis oil in my coffee enemas, and I, I meditate on it. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, not, I'd be down for, uh, you know, having a blunt with uh, Chris and, and talking. <laughs> So interesting, and so it's interesting that you know the redneck mentioned that because actually I'm looking to have Chris back on the show, and so I was going to try to kind of throw out there about trying to see if you guys wouldn't mind connecting. So if you're okay with it, I'll see if he's okay with it, and then perhaps we can get something together and have a a good gentleman discussion on where we're at and some some real real world solutions. So uh, definitely, so I'm glad that that was brought up. So <laughs> thanks for the call. <laughs> And so we, we might have another call, if you don't mind. So we'll take this one. Hello, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Kevin from Sarasota. Kevin from Sarasota. What, what's your thoughts or question for Mr. Burrett? All right. Well, um, he speaks to uh, Jeff, by the way. It's a pleasure to talk to you, man. I watch you all the time. And just to see you all two together on screen, is it's magic, my friend. So okay. um, great job, Mike and Jeff. Welcome aboard to uh, you know to Mike's show. Um my question is with cryptocurrencies. I have just a little bit in uh, three of the main big ones, the Litecoin, Ethereum, and Bitcoin. <clears throat> but with it being priced in dollars, is that its Achilles heel? I mean, if, if you're pricing something that's in dollars and the dollar goes down to nothing, I mean, yeah, I guess in theory that uh, a Bitcoin could go to a million, but what's a million non-dollars? You know what I mean? I, I, so 
if, if I can get some clarity on how a, a cryptocurrency would be worth something against uh, the dollar, that would be worth nothing. All right. Well, thanks for that. I'm going to let him answer. I'm going to hang up so that you can hear him when, on the live stream. Absolutely. Thank you very much, fellas. All right. Have a good one. Thank you for the call. Yeah, this is a question that uh, a lot of people have, and it's because uh, people, uh, most people, especially in the U.S., have lived their entire lives where every single thing has been valued in dollars. So it's very hard for people to kind of imagine what it'd be like to value something in something else, like Bitcoin, for example. So we could see a future if, if things, if Bitcoin really catches on, the dollar collapses, where Five, 10 years from now, we're saying, oh, I, I'm going to go to the movies. Well, how much does the movies cost? And it's like uh, three Satoshis. That's what we might be saying. Uh, so a lot of people are confused um, about what will happen if the dollar goes to zero. Does that mean Bitcoin's worth something? Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean Bitcoin's worth something, but it, just because the dollar has no value doesn't mean that other things don't have value anymore. It's just a way of... Um, uh, denoting value. So, for example, uh, a lot of people I know actually price things in Bitcoin now. And um, uh, I, there's a site I think it's called PricedInGold.com uh, where they price everything in gold. Uh, yeah. And actually, it's a much gold is the better way of tracking things. So, uh, we track a lot like the stock market and stuff like that in terms of gold because the dollar is being devalued so much that you see the stock market it's gone up. What is it like 300% last 10 years or something? But it's only in terms of dollars. In terms of gold. It's actually, I don't know off the top of my head, but it might have even gone down. Uh, so, you know, it's just been a, a sort of a, a norm for so many people to price things in dollars or value things in dollars. But it doesn't, everything could be valued in, in any sort of uh, term. So you could even look at a dollar. I would say, well, a dollar's worth 0. 0.00001 Bitcoin, basically, right? Uh, and, and that's, um, you know, a very value, valid way of saying what a dollar is worth. And you, if you look at dollars and the, pri the price of Bitcoin since 2009, the dollar has absolutely 100% collapsed in terms of Bitcoin. So yeah. don't get too caught up in, in uh, just valuing things in dollars. In fact, it's, it's a good... Um, exercise to start trying to value things in other things. And I would really suggest gold. Gold is probably a way better way of valuing. I wouldn't value everything in Bitcoin right now because it's so volatile because it's such a small market, but the gold market's a massive market and it doesn't move very much very often. Yeah. Uh, and it actually really holds a, sort of a more fairer value than the dollar does. So I would check out like pricedingold.com and start getting in the habit of looking at things in the, in priced in other uh, currencies or other assets like gold. Okay, so appreciate that answer. So we have another caller. Hello, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is uh, Jeff from Florida. Um, how you doing, Jeff? I'm a subscriber to your uh, your channel. Hey, I just wanted to ask you a quick question. Um, I saw you commented on one of your videos recently uh, about an article from Michael Schneider, and it said, Goodbye, middle class. 50% of American workers make less than $33,000 a year. Is it seems like our wages are either being stagnant or going down and the cost of living keeps going up. I mean, you know, if you go to the grocery store or the gas station or just everyday living, the cost of expenses keep going up. Also, I just wanted to say uh, you really got a lot of um, a balls to be able to go on Epstein Island, man. I mean, you could have been shot. You could have been arrested. I mean, something could have really happened to you, man. So you really got a lot of balls to do that. So I just wanted to say uh, thanks for having me on. Bye. Appreciate you, Jeff. Thanks, my friend. Yeah, in terms of uh, the, uh, you know, this is what central banking does. And this is, uh, I think it was Keynes, uh, John Maynard Keynes, who said, not one man in a million understands inflation. And that's still almost true. I'd say it's probably closer to one in 100,000 now, uh, thanks to the Internet. But in general, most people don't understand inflation. Yeah. That's exactly what's happened. So you look at things like the uh, minimum wage laws and people are like, People can't survive on $15 an hour anymore. And it's right. like, whoa, there must be those dirty capitalists. No, it's because of the central bank inflation. All right. So, so we have another caller. Yes. Yes. And so we'll, so I'll, I'll bring you back to that thought, Jeff. And so, hello, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Mike, Jeff, what's going on, fellas? I am the one of the DT crypto channel. I'm always on your channel, Mike. This is Appreciate an honor. You. To Thank be God, here sir. and speak with you and Jeff. Thank you. Jeff, long-time watcher as well. Um, I just have a question for Jeff. I mean, uh, we already know what's going to happen when the, when the gears kick back, uh, when this thing comes crumbling down and Mad Max happens here in the U.S. Uh, from this point on, you also see that 
other countries are looking to adopt their own cryptocurrency uh, with China rumored to have their yuan backed by gold or whatever. Uh, do you guys or do you just still believe, or if you ever did, that there will be a global currency when this thing all falls down? And once it falls down, how long do you think it'll be before they uh, get it back and running with the with some type of new game plan? Well, appreciate the call. I'm gonna let Jeff. I'm gonna let Jeff answer, and then we'll we'll go from there. Thanks for the call, my friend. No problem. Well, when you ask about uh, what will replace all these things, we already have potential replacements in things like Bitcoin. Uh, so if, if people, more people started using Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or Monero, which is even better in my opinion, uh, now uh, we can all, we can sort of bypass a lot of what's going to be happening. Uh, in fact, that will just really take down the central banks, really take down the governments very quickly. And once the central banks and governments are really taken down, we'll have so much peace and prosperity in the world. So, uh, that, you know, a lot of it is just um, already, moving to the, to the next currency uh, and moving away from these fiat currencies, which only empower the criminal organizations. Uh, the U.S. dollar is the most biggest used terrorist uh, uh, currency in the world. It's used in most drug transactions, even though all drug transactions should be decriminalized and legal. Uh, everything they say about Bitcoin is what the U.S. dollar is used for. And uh, people just need to start moving away from it. And as far as other countries, yeah, there's there's a total competition going on right now. It's very, very interesting. Uh, we actually have kind of private money, which is most of the cryptos. Uh, we actually starting to have corporate money. And that's what Facebook Libra is trying to do. Google's talked about launching a cryptocurrency. And then we have the government money, which is the fiat currency, which means by force. Uh, they force you to use it and they extort you and they expect you to pay them in that currency uh, from their criminal extortion rackets. But uh, they are uh, the, the free currencies are going down. And now we're seeing things like uh, China looking at doing a digital currency. That's going to be interesting. Uh, I've heard them say something along the lines of it. It'll be backed by gold. We'll see. I, I would never trust the Chinese government on anything. So that's a lot of there's a lot of trust involved with a gold backed currency. Uh, for example, Fort Knox. I don't believe there's the gold in there that they say there is. No one's really seen it in about 100 years. And and knowing governments, uh, it's probably long gone. So I don't trust anything. And the, the whole point of cryptocurrency is we need a money system that isn't based on trust. And that's where things like Bitcoin come in, where there's no one person, there's no central banker, there's no group of people in a, in a boardroom behind closed doors deciding how much money to print. We need a, a, a open source, a limited, uh, completely free and open currency. And that's where the cryptocurrencies come in. All right. So I got a question I want to ask you because I'm so Jeff, you know, I'm 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 one of the guys in the middle. And so I am interested in the blockchain because I know that's where we're heading. And there's a lot of opportunity there. But then I'm also a precious metals guy just because I enjoy going, being able to go back and actually hold something physical. So I'm on, I'm on a, I'm in the middle. So I'm going to throw a little a little hiccup back at, at you. What's the likelihood that all of this? The Bitcoin itself uh, was was put in place at this current moment in time as a backdoor out and according to a greater plan. And we happen to be falling right into their desire to go digital because the whole point in going digital solely is that they want to remove cash because cash is an issue because it's outside of human. It's outside the government's eye. So what's the likelihood that this is a deliberate plan by some greater force and we are and we bought into it? Uh, well, you look at the internet, and the internet was kind of started by DARPA. It was started by the U.S. military, and you could say that in many ways, uh, if the U.S. military started it up, it's totally backfired on them because now people across the world are getting access to real information. I think it's the same with cryptocurrencies. We don't know who Satoshi was. Uh, it was very out in the open, though, and it looks like he came from a group called the Cypherpunks, which were working way back in the 90s, and I know a lot of these people, and they're all anarcho-capitalists, and they all all were working on systems to take away the money system away from the this the communist style central banks and uh he wrote his white paper and he put it out it, i've never seen any sort of evidence uh that it was a u.s intelligence operation if it was though it's totally backfired and uh it can totally backfire especially if more people start using cryptocurrency uh, the biggest thing about uh, controlling a currency, and this is from the Rothschilds back in the 1700s, I think it was uh, Amstel Rothschild said, I care not who makes the laws as long as I control the money. And he's right, because
because if you control the money in a society or in a system, you control pretty much everything just because of human nature. Uh, people will uh, sell their souls. They'll do almost anything for money. Uh, so many people do that. You just look at every politician. They'll just do whatever they have to just to get money, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so the big key, though, to uh, really controlling the money system is having the ability to print up the money. And this is where it's really key. And this is how the Rothschilds are essentially trillionaires is they control the money. They can print up as much as they want and give it to whoever they want. Uh, the Federal Reserve, no one knows where it actually goes. Uh, and this is where some of the uh, audit the Fed sort of stuff comes in. But the real key is their ability to increase the money supply. With something like Bitcoin, it's limited to 21 million Bitcoins. We already have 18 million Bitcoins in existence. The next 3 million will come out over the next 150 years. So there's basically no inflation. In fact, in fact it's probably deflationary at this point due to lost coins. Uh, and so th even if Bitcoin became the money of the world, if every single person used it, and I'm not sure if Bitcoin can handle it, by the way, and that's a whole other topic about how much the, these systems can handle. But let's just say it could. And let's say everyone in the world tomorrow went to Bitcoin. They stopped using dollars and euros and yen. Uh, so all those go to zero and everyone's got Bitcoin and Bitcoin would have a valuation probably of about a million dollars in today's dollars. Uh, but, you know, Everything would be going on in Bitcoin. If that were the case, all the governments in the world would collapse because they mostly live off of the money printing and the debt that they can go into by the money printing. So if, if we just had just a uh, Bitcoin was money in the world, it would get rid of, of course, central banks, which would end all wars. It would get rid of most governments, at least about 90 percent of every government. So every government would have to go down to incredibly small size, which would increase, uh, create a massive amount of prosperity, a massive boom in progress, in productivity, uh, in the economy and things like that. So even just that alone, uh, it, like if, if we're going to have in the future, in the next 10 years, fiat currencies or say Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency, if we go towards cryptocurrency, the world will be a million times better than it is today. And if cryptocurrencies never catch on too much and we stay in the sort of fiat system, uh, where especially now that it's digital and controlled and they can track every transaction, we're headed toward sort of like a 1984 times a thousand, which is, uh, I can't do the math in my head, but 1,984,000 or something like that. But uh, we're, we're headed towards like a tyranny like we've never known it unless we can get away from this money system right and so as you're giving an explanation there my next thought would be we're already we're already just by technology evolving heading to a smart economy with ai all the automation robotics so everything is changing and we're being deliberately led into an environment where our, our smartphones you know so just the whole idea of tech of privacy on smartphones if it's in the, if it's coming from yahoo apple or android the primary providers there's back doors. And so is that of concern to you as far as just the, the devices we use? Like every, like this conversation is being watched if they wanted to. So there's no way of really going outside of the system. So does cryptocurrencies really play an important role if, if, your, if your phone has a back door and you're trying to scan something they can still see and track? And does those things concern you at all? Well, you definitely have to be careful with cryptocurrencies for sure, uh, not just from the government, which is always the biggest criminal in any society, but mm -hmm. also hackers and things like that. So, yeah, you have to be careful. And that's, this is where the opportunity is in cryptos. It's still very early. It's kind of like using email back in 1993. I remember telling people about it and they just couldn't wrap their heads around how it worked. There was even a, uh, I think it was a Today Show episode with Bryant Gumbel. Uh, just look it up. Uh, Today Show, Bryant Gumbel, uh, email, first time hearing about email. And they were talking about it like, how do I get email without the U.S. post office? They just couldn't get their heads around it. And uh, it's very much the same with crypto today. It's still very early stages, but it's going to get more and more secure and more easy for your average person to use. And as it does, there'll be more and more demand for it, which will increase the price and things like that. But, yeah, there's always certain worries. Uh, I don't really worry about anything. I think, you know, at the end of the day, material items are not that big of a deal. Uh, in You know, what really matters is your health and your happiness and things like that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you have to be a bit careful. But if, uh, for example, if cryptocurrencies really become like private cryptocurrencies, not government controlled cryptocurrencies, become money in the world and the fiat currencies go away, there won't be any big government there to spy on you. It'll be gone. That's, they pay for it all through central bank money printing and debt. So uh, it's sort of like uh, you, you can't have one without the other. The, uh, if cryptocurrencies catch on, then we won't have anyone to any large criminal organization to spy on you.
All right. Sean Livingston, I want to take a second and acknowledge a super chat from someone that says, thanks, guys. I watch both of your YouTube channels and love the podcast for Silver Doctors Mike. Appreciate it, my friend. So, Jeff, as we get ready to draw back towards the end of our discussion, I want to be respectful of your time. Looks like you have a nice little day ahead of you, according to the background there. Still got some light there. And so, as we get ready to wrap up, anybody got any thoughts or questions, feel free to let us know. We'll get these last couple questions answered. And so, Jeff, I want to kind of get your thoughts on you, you live abroad, you travel abroad. And so, out of all the places you've gone, for those that have not had a chance to get up and go somewhere, um, what's been your most favorite places that have potential that may not be as Im- impacted as badly as the developed world might be in the next decade as things transition? Uh, there's so many places. Uh, I would say a lot of places in South America. Argentina is just, they're, they're used to hyperinflation. It's just normal. Uh, there's wide open spaces. Uh, you know, that's, uh, I think, for sure, a good place to hang out for the next few years. Mm-hmm. I'm here in Mexico. I think Mexico, you know, they had their uh, peso collapse in the 90s. Uh, people here are kind of used to that sort of stuff. They're not tied into this financial markets as much. No one here has mortgages. There's no such thing, really, as mortgages here. Uh, no one has much debt. Uh, it's just uh, uh, people sort of live sort of day-to-day sort of things. So when when a lot of the financial system collapses, it won't really change the lives of people here too much, uh, uh, that sort of a thing. Um, you know, there's so many places, really. Uh, I just traveled through the Caribbean. Uh, most of those islands are completely empty. Uh, I would check out Bonaire. Uh, of the, it's a Dutch uh, colony there. Grenada was a pretty nice uh Martinique, which is a, actually part of France, um, but there's so many places. Um, but really, like I, I just wouldn't want to be in a large population center in the U.S. Uh, when this goes down. Um, other than that, though, I think uh, there's always going to be, uh, you know, ways to get around things. And, and in fact, if if you can get through this crisis, uh, and most people are going to get wiped out. The banks are either going to close or the currency is going to hyperinflate. Most people are going to lose their savings. Um, most people are going to lose their jobs for a period of time. Uh, if you are get through that and you've still got some crypto and some precious metals, you're going to be like incredibly rich compared to most people. You'll be in a position of sort of being like a Rockefeller, hiring your own private security, you know, paying people off in silver coins, like, uh, to, you know, private security, growing your own food, all that kind of stuff, buying stuff. Uh, so I think a lot of people will, uh, who, who are prepared will get through this quite easily. And actually, they could do incredibly well during this. Um, they could end up being uh, incredibly wealthy compared to your average person after all this goes through. And uh, as long as they can safely get through the, the period of sort of chaos as, as, the, as the world's trying to figure out what to do, as people are starting to realize that, uh, you know, the government's gone and, you know, the fiat currencies are gone and what do we use now? And, and you'll be there and you'll be like, let's use precious metals and, and cryptocurrencies and stuff like that. So, you know, it doesn't have to be all that bad. In fact, this could be the biggest opportunity for a lot of us, uh, maybe in, in human history, mm-hmm. the biggest opportunity. So for a lot of people who are worried about it, at the same time, it has a lot of potential. All right. Now, as we draw towards the end, a very last question, uh, apart from getting another one from a guest or from our uh, viewers. So as far as the, the, the prepar- preparation needed for the days ahead, and so you're an entrepreneur, and so you travel, you you keep your ears open for opportunities. For those that might just be nine to five individuals that never had a chance to venture beyond their city, what type of advice would you give people on uh, getting started and just being open and attentive to ideas and any type of strategies or places you would want to point them to just to open up their mind? Uh, one thing I would say is, well, first of all, forget about school. Uh, that's a, a <laughs> archaic uh, uh, sort of idea. Uh, all in- information is available on the Internet. But one thing I would say that I've seen with a lot of people who kind of figure that they're kind of stuck in their job and they can't do something else. First of all, if you tell yourself that you're stuck in your job and you can't do something else, you're not going to be able to do anything because your mind is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be telling yourself you can do it. Uh, you also need to be open to taking some chances and taking some risks. And the first thing I would do is when you have an idea, like let's say you're working at a job you don't like it, but let's say you really like 
just pick anything, pick horses. Uh, and so you say to your friends, you know, I think I'm going to quit my job and get involved in some sort of horse industry. I'm going to maybe raise some horses or, or, or go work for a, a company that has horses or something like that. Uh, m- most of your friends are going to tell you you're crazy or, or it's not going to work. Never, ever, ever listen to those people. First of all, look at what they're doing. They're probably in their own nine to five jobs. So they're kind of like the crabs, you know, when there's a crabs in a bucket and the, they, they took the top off the bucket, a crab tries to leave and the other ones drag them back down. That's that's how most people are. So don't listen, ever listen to anyone. Mm-hmm. Every business idea I've ever had, I've had most people tell me it's never going to work and I'm stupid. And a lot of the times it works out. And the second thing is follow your passion. So like I said, if you're really into horses and you're not working in the horse industry, you're totally not doing it right. Uh, always follow your passion. When you follow your passion, uh, at the very least, uh, you will be doing something every day that you love. And when you do something every day that you love, good things spring from that. You have good energy and positive energy. Sorry about the phone. I, I don't know if anyone's here to pick it up. But no uh, definitely follow your passion. And, and most people don't do that. And, uh, you know, even if it means, uh, let's say you've got $100,000 a year job in New York. Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you that the chance of you still having that in a few years is almost zero. So you might as well get ready now. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like doing what you're doing there and you want to do something and you're really passionate about it, go for it. Because that's really what you're supposed to be doing, in my opinion, in life is following your passion. And when you do that, you'd be amazed how the whole world opens up to you. Wow. Good information there. So with that being the case, Jeff Burke, it's been great having you here on RTD Live Talk. I definitely enjoyed getting your thoughts, getting a chance to connect with you. And so, as I mentioned beforehand, you know, part of how I got started was in my earlier years from sports, I happened to travel the world a little bit. And when I stopped, I I came across your channel and been a fan and a subscriber of yours as well. So you've blazed a trail for a lot of newbies such as myself. And so I appreciate you joining me on uh, Rethinking a Dollar. So it's been an honor on on my side. So thank you once again for joining us. And for everybody that's tuned in, I appreciate you guys uh, hanging out with us this afternoon with the questions and call-ins and things of that nature. And as always, if you guys have enjoyed this, don't be afraid to donate a thumbs up right beneath this button here. And if you want to take it even further, you become a Patreon um, member there and uh, definitely could use your support there. So other than that, be blessed, be safe. And Jeff, uh, I'm going to say bye to you. I'm going to hang up with these guys, say bye to you officially, and then we go from there. But once again, Jeff, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you. Peace. Hey there, sorry for this interruption, but I wanted to bring something to your attention. If you've been enjoying this live stream, why don't you partner with me and your support to the channel via Patreon membership for just a minimum of $5 a month. All you have to do is scroll down beneath this video here, click the Patreon link, then consider donating as little as $5 a month toward the channel. A little bit of crumbs can go a long way, and I appreciate your support. Now, let's get back to this live stream.